Craig Galbraith, Executive Editor of Channel Partners and Channel Futures. And it's another edition of the Channel Partners Podcast. Coffee with Craig and, oh, I almost said Kevin. Well, hopefully you didn't miss our last episode where we said so long to our good friend who has left Channel Partners to pursue his dream of starting his own channel partner business. Look at this guy, ripping off everything I ever taught him for his own personal gain. But I digress. Kicking things off there with a little tears for fears, we'll open and close with British bands today. Why? Well, because that's the theme of today's podcast. Also, this is the 85th edition of the podcast, and this song went to number one in 1985. All right, so it's a new era of the podcast as we celebrate what was quite frankly inevitable. Digi, our digital services robot mascot, had been trying to push Kevin off the marquee for years now, and it's finally happened. He's been groomed for this very moment. So please welcome in my new co-host, the bot taking his shot, it's Digi. Digi, how are you? Well, that sounds positive. Uh, First, I've got to thank you for taking a break from all of your analytics to take on this new role. Uh, You've played a big role in the podcast before, but Digi, how does it feel to finally sit in the co-host chair? Uh, Yeah, okay. I'm getting some good vibes there. Uh, So as you know, this is the part of the show where we preview what's coming up and talk a little bit about what we've been up to, share a personal story or two. Uh, Sound good, Digi? Hmm. Kevin did warn me that I might have to get a little creative to carry on a good conversation here. Ah, we'll make this work. Okay, so we have a couple of terrific guests lined up. Shortly, we're going to hear from Camille Mendler. She is chief analyst with research firm Omdia, which just happens to be part of our family here at Informatech, the parent company of Channel Partners. This is going to be a great primer for those of you partners who are looking to dip your toes into the European and specifically UK channel market. She will explain some of the differences between the US and the UK and what the COVID impact has been across the pond. She'll also preview her keynote coming up at Channel Evolution Europe Virtual, December 1st and 2nd. We have a really great lineup for that show, one I would heartily recommend to the IT channel community in Europe, but also a great opportunity for U.S.-based partners to get some great content without traveling all the way to London to get it. And to prove I'm not just blowing smoke, with a show less than six weeks away, I'm going to break down a few of the highlights of the event after we talk to Camille. Then later, we have a discussion with a well-known name in the channel, Scott Barlow, Vice President, Global MSP at Sophos. He has an update on the growth of the security company's MSP Connect program. Some big things happening over there you'll want to get caught up on. Yes, it's another at-home edition of Where in the World is Edward Gately. But before all that, Digi, as you know, this is usually about the time that Kevin and I share what we used to call a personal deep dive, you know, basically just filling the audience in on what we've been up to outside of work, knowing that's undoubtedly top of mind for all of our beloved casties. So now that you've had a few minutes to put some of your thoughts together, uh, do you want to go first? He says hesitantly. (sighs) All right. Well, an interesting thing happened to me last week. Uh, Some of you out there might remember the story I told about a year ago when my wife and I were out walking the neighborhood, minding our own business, when... Yes, Digi? That was really short. Was that the equivalent of, uh-huh? 
Like you're following along? Yeah, okay. Uh, so where was I? Yeah, so we're minding our own business and some guy riding by on a golf cart yells, effing Seahawks. I was wearing a Seahawks shirt and yes, I live in Arizona Cardinals country. I get it, but it was still very odd for that to happen in our quiet neighborhood. Well, this time uh, we're walking and I'm wearing no offensive clothing that I know of. And we pass this couple. Uh, they're walking on one side of the street. We're on the other. Uh, they say hi. We say hi back and wave. But 10 yards apart, uh, the woman turns around and says, stop. We're your neighbors, you know. The least you could do is say hello. I mean, sometimes I look around at our world these days and think people have gone completely bonkers. I mean, I get it. It's 2020. It's like a full moon every day. Anyway, about all we could do is stop and say, uh, we said hello. Then they just kept on moving down the road. And what was even weirder about it was that she said all of this with kind of an upbeat lilt in her voice. And she literally had what I could only describe as a hop in her step. It kind of reminded me of Tigger in the Winnie the Pooh books. Uh, <laughs> anyhow, these are the strange things that happened to me in what is really a pretty quiet, normal neighborhood, if you will. Maybe you've got some stories like that of your own in what's been a weird, wild year. Okay, so as promised, I want to get into our interview with Omdia to talk about... Oh, hold on, hold on. We, we have a call coming in? This always surprises me since this isn't a live podcast. Anyway, our producer, we don't really have one, is telling me this is someone who wants to congratulate Digi on his promotion. Wow, that's nice. Uh, hello, caller. You're on the air. Hey, Craig, it's Ke uh, Dr. Will Williams-Williamson here a uh, long time listener first time caller great program definitely but i just wanted to call in about the recent sd wan discussion uh, who am i kidding hey digi you stink <laughs> hmm rude but that caller who sounded just like kevin morris <laughs> sour grapes might have a point i think i'm gonna have to reconsider this whole digi thing okay on to more serious matters all right, really pleased to welcome in my first guest. She is Camille Mendler, Chief Analyst with Omdia, part of our Informatech family. Camille, thanks for joining me today. Thank you very much for having me. It's a delight. Well, I want to use our discussion for several purposes here, Camille. The first is, you know, being sort of an introduction to the European channel, particularly the UK channel. As most of our listening audience, of course, is U.S.-based, probably not too familiar with the landscape over there. One thing U.S. partners certainly do have in common, though, with European partners is the COVID-19 pandemic. So I thought we'd just get sort of a state of the channel with COVID-19 and the related economic pressure over there. What, what's the year been like for the typical UK channel partner? Well, is it the best of times or is it the worst of times? There, there are reasons to be happy and, and reasons for great concern. Of course, if you look at the demographics of the channel in, in the UK, so many are very, very small organisations. We only have, you know, a very small percentage that are large, you know, uh, organisations with, you know, hundreds or even thousands of employees. So they're all small enterprises that have got bills to pay, uh, facing liquidity issues. And I think it's one of the major things that's happened around COVID is, I think it, we're coming to the end of a buying cycle that's around to breed. I think that when I think of the enterprises that we've surveyed and how they're choosing suppliers who are, you know, channel partners of various types, 
Most of them are saying they're seeking simplification, reducing the number of suppliers. So in the channel, uh, I think that being a specialist in a particular technology is going to be increasingly difficult because the client is looking for more. I think there's a difference between being a specialist from an industry perspective from being a specialist from a solution perspective. I mean, you might start with security. Security is proven to be an area that is an evergreen in the COVID space, uh, in COVID era. Uh, it's been you know, a good opportunity for those who are great on collaboration, but not alone. It's like you have to put together solutions for enterprises. That's what they're expecting. They're not expecting, they have no time anymore to go cap in hand and seek solutions from different people. They're looking for aggregators. And I think that means a fundamental change in in the channel. Yeah, I was going to ask you, you know, we've had a a fair amount of partners here in the U.S. tell us that they've actually been quite successful through COVID due to the work from home trend and all of the new technologies there. Are you seeing sort of a blend over there as well from those who have really seen success and those who have been struggling? Absolutely. I mean, whether and we've asked them, you know, whether they view a U-shaped recovery or a V-shaped recovery depends on who who their clients are. And obviously, if they're serving the SMB, which is that most challenged of segments in certain certain verticals such as let's say hospitality and retail they they might be in a, a somewhat different position but certainly there have been examples of acceleration of decision making in certain areas and it might be around security or it actually might be around building a digital environment in which to transact business so support around that enterprises are looking for assistance in some specific areas where they're digitalizing their, their business processes so for some and maybe not traditional uh, channel players necessarily in all cases these have been some positive times in certain ways but that's not for everyone Right. So let's break it down and get really basic here for those who aren't too familiar with it. Can you give us some of the the basic main differences between the channels in the US and the UK? I mean, there are different approaches to the market. You know, I've mentioned this before. There has been historically more of a distributor model. We have versus you know a master agent type of approach, though that that is changing. And I would argue that that is going to change, continue to change, if you consider the way the market is evolving. As I said, we have uh, a long tail of very small players who may be very specialist in certain areas and a long history of of VARs. Uh, At the same time, as we've seen in in other markets, there have been um, attempts to create roll-ups of businesses. So there's been a a flood of acquisitions over the past few years. It's still a very fragmented market, I would argue. And of course, in that market, we have you know, a strong IT side of the business and still a, a telecom side of the business that is trying to uh, become more multifaceted as well. So uh, I, I think there are some differences with the US market. Scale is, is one. I would argue that also quite a few of the channel partners may have activity, international activity at a higher uh, number percentage than the US players, partly because the market is, is somewhat different. So the US market is so vast that perhaps the need to look outside is is not as compelling. But we have a lot of smaller players that have 
activity outside of the UK as well. So by definition, with footprints in various countries in Europe and some going beyond that. And I think that there's been uh, maybe a later conversion of players into MSPs, but there is a great, greater number of MSPs emerging in the UK market today. Yeah, you mentioned the the master agents, Camille, and, and that leads right into my question. You brought up MSPs as well. Our master agents here in the States are very active, and they're especially active now in our Channel Evolution Europe show coming up here in just a few weeks. So they clearly see an opportunity there. Here in the States, they're pushing for uh, some of those MSPs to get them on their roster. So what do you see as the potential for these companies in the UK? Do you see this model really taking off? The master agents have come to these shores and they've been here for a few years with, I would argue, limited impact. But I think that's changing now. And, And I think that COVID actually is a really strong reason for the adoption of the model that they're offering. Because if, as I say, uh, you know, you have enterprises, you know, six, almost seven out of 10 enterprises are looking for new partners, partners that can do more than one single thing. They can do three or four or five different things. So the opportunity to capture across a variety of solutions is much higher than it was before. And typically, the smaller partner does not have that competence or the relationships. And therefore, the idea of working with a master agent who can negotiate with those vendors so that you can actually have a taste of some a broader portfolio without the very considerable financial and the negotiating that you need to do with the vendors to, to provide a broader portfolio plays very well into today's market, that, that type of model. So that's why I think that if they play correctly, and that, that is and if there could be an acceleration of, of take up. But the big question always is with any US player is how serious they are, how committed they are to either the UK or any other foreign market. Because in practice, maybe because of their financial ownership, perhaps because they're you know publicly quoted and on, on a quarterly basis have to report their success or failure, they've not all shown longevity in the UK market. And so that is something that needs to be proven. And one of the critical mistakes, I think, made by US players in general is to assume that Europe, uh, the UK uh, and Europe are synonymous. They are much, uh, absolutely not synonymous. Uh, Europe is very much tribal. (laughs) We are, every country is really quite different. Um, And of course, we have the additional problem um, of Brexit, which is disruptive and damaging to the economies of all European economies in different ways. But let me stop there. I think you had another question. We could probably uh, do an entire other podcast on Brexit, but uh, we'll be careful there for sure. Camille, maybe you can just offer some advice. Uh, First of all, that's going to be really interesting, I think, to watch the master agents uh, over there here in the next couple of years. But I wanted to give uh, folks listening today, some of our US-based partners, any advice you'd have for them if they want to dip their toes into either the market there in the UK or Europe, or, or obviously you've already indicated they're, they're different animals, but uh, what's a couple uh, pieces of advice you'd give for them? I mean, let me tell you, what are the top reasons for channel partners to churn out of the non-US partners that we've spoken to? And it may surprise you that number one on the list is not price. Number one on the list was solutions. The performance of the solution was lower than expectations. 
So they're going to have to deliver on that. And number two on the list concerns about the partner's long-term financial viability. And number three was actually inflexibility around pricing. So you're going to have to deliver on quality commitments. And as we move more to cloud-based models, you need to make sure that there is no compromise. You're going to have to provide tools, pretty damn hot management, simple management tools. You're going to have to be transparent about your service quality levels. And you're going to have to show some commitment before partners who cannot afford to experiment. That's the best advice I can give you. Yeah, it's a lot to think about. Uh, Don't just show up. You've got to have a plan. Your session at uh, Channel Evolution Europe is on 5G connectivity and networking. We're really looking forward to hearing from you. Camille, can you give us a preview of the session and and how the channel can profit as the, the title reads? Let's not forget that as much as we've had a challenge in terms of people changing their priorities and their budget and many people reducing their budget when it comes to a number of different services, what's interesting is that budget is shifting. It's not necessarily getting bigger, but it's shifting into new areas. And one of those areas, if I look at the top three areas where investment is is shifting to, one is cybersecurity, I keep mentioning that, number two is tools, but number three is 5G, 5G enterprise services. And that is not just about, that is not actually primarily about replacing fiber, but actually supplementary supplementary services. And of course, we have just as in the US, you've seen liberalization of spectrum in the US CBRS. In the UK, actually in some other European countries as well, there is liberalization of spectrum so that enterprises can build their own 5G networks. Now, how many enterprises can actually design their own wireless network environment and deploy it and manage it? That is a huge opportunity. And that indeed is something that the channel should be increasingly interested in. Well, we're looking forward to hearing uh, from you, Camille, at the show. I'm going to be setting my alarm really early being uh, here on the West Coast of the U.S. Uh, it's going to be an early wake-up call for me, I think a couple of days in a row. I hope you do. It's going to be a great conference, I think, over the past, uh, over the, the, the two days of the event. Thanks so much for your time today. Really appreciate it. You've given uh, our listeners some really good insight into the market over there. And, and I'm looking forward to seeing uh, what more develops as uh, we continue to work with Omdia uh, in the future. Thanks, Camille. Pleasure. Thank you. So there you have it. Camille really knows her stuff. Looking forward to tapping into her expertise going forward as our relationship with the team at Omdia gets even deeper. I think it's worth it now to dabble in some of the content we have lined up for Channel Evolution Europe Virtual, again, December 1st and 2nd, uh, to show you what else we have to offer beyond Camille's keynote. Of course, if you aren't taking copious notes on what I'm saying, then why wouldn't you be? I'll provide more information on the landing page of this podcast. Then, of course, keep in mind, we expect you'll be able to see some more great speakers when we return live to London in late 2021. Wouldn't that be nice to attend some live shows again? Yeah, I think we're all on board with that. Okay, for a little background, there are a number of things that Camille just discussed and more that helped us shape our agenda for this upcoming event, COVID-19 obviously being one. But we're also looking at beyond COVID-19. You know, there's an increasing need for small businesses in particular to not only adopt technology, but for it to be easy. They don't want to be dealing with multiple IT companies. Quite simply, they have a business to run. 
They don't have the time and the resources to dedicate to it. Well, we've got a trio of business-oriented sessions in particular that address this topic. Tracy Pound, Managing Director for Maximity, a UK-based business coach, is going to moderate a panel on how to overcome the many challenges that partners face today. Then later, we have a panel of three successful UK-based partners who've made adjustments to capitalize on the challenges and opportunities they've faced this year. Uh, one way they've done it is to diversify. You know, it's hard to be knowledgeable in just one or two areas anymore if you want to grow your business. Also, analyst Stuart Wilson of IDC will talk more about shifts you can make in your tech portfolio and how to improve the customer experience, both critical for success in the new channel. Also on the business front, marketing. Claire Jenks, an MSP design and brand expert in the UK, is going to help the partner community with some great tips on creating digital content, such as podcasts. It's not an area that a lot of partner businesses are great at, but we do expect you will have taken the first step once you've sat in on this 25-minute session with Claire. It should be a really good one. Now, for those of you who lean more toward the tech talk than the business talk, there will be plenty of that as well. Especially of note is our Thunderdome on security. That's where we bring panelists together to debate the hottest new solutions and help you identify not only which of those are the best, but also help you perhaps determine which vendors in the channel are at the top of their game. Okay, so that's just a mere sampling of our content for the two-day event. We will touch on some more in subsequent podcasts. Digi, what do you think? You like the lineup? Yeah, okay. Our next interview, uh, and this is a bit of a quinky dink, actually, is with a big name company that just so happens to have its headquarters in the UK. I, for one, am excited to hear the latest from Sophos and get caught up on the growth of its MSP Connect program. Security, as we like to say on the podcast, should be part of every sale. And what makes this even better? It's the latest edition of Where in the World is Edward Gately? This is Edward Gately, news editor at Channel Partners Online and Channel Futures, and I'm here with Scott Barlow, Sophos's Vice President of Global MSP. How are you today, Scott? I'm doing fantastic, Edward. Thank you for having me. Really appreciate it. Definitely. Okay, so first off, tell me a little bit about the MSP Connect program, how long it's been out, and how many members you have. Yeah, so we launched the MSP Connect Flex program approximately three and a half years ago. And we designed it from the ground up to help MSPs increase their revenue, lower their costs, and increase their operational efficiency, while also working to help MSPs expand their market opportunity and revenue streams with the Sophos portfolio of products and services. Today, we have over 12,500 global and regional MSPs worldwide, which is a 30% increase year over year. So we continue to grow the program. We continue to refine the products and services for MSPs specifically to assist them in integrating with their RMM and their PSA application, but more importantly, to help them actually grow their business. So that's one key element that we really wanted to focus on was how do we help MSPs grow and scale their business? Now, what's driving this growth that's taking place? Yeah, the growth is really from a, a variety of different products. We've seen MSPs continue to upsell and cross-sell different security services across our portfolio, really leading with um, IntercepTX Advanced, um, the XG Firewall, uh, a little bit of Sophos Cloud Optics to secure and monitor public cloud environments. 
But what we see the, the most significant increase in is uh, what we call SOFOS Managed Threat Response or MTR. MTR, actually, we have about a thousand or over a thousand customers now on this managed threat response service. And it's one of the industry's most widely used threat hunting services that are out there to really allow MSPs to actively neutralize threats in real time, you know, as part of the core service. And so as MSPs look to scale their business, they're looking to offload or outsource a lot of the active threat hunting capabilities. And that's where the MTR service comes in. And we really work with MSPs in a variety of different ways when they implement uh, managed threat response. We can allow them or provide them information on what is actually happening in the environment. And, you know, it's basically a notification for the MSP to go and take action. We can also collaborate with the MSP to work with them to go and resolve a, a particular issue at one of their customers. Or as the MSP becomes more and more comfortable with the service, they can authorize SOFOS to go and take action on their behalf to neutralize a threat or go and do active threat hunting within their customer base, which is going to increase the overall security posture of all their customers, including the MSP themselves, because as we all know, MSPs are being increasingly targeted by cyber criminals these days. Now, is the ongoing COVID-19 pandemic impacting this growth and the program and kind of what MSPs need? I think so. I think the MSPs have done an absolutely fantastic job in taking a lot of the SMBs and mid-market customers that they work with and moving them to a remote working environment. We've seen the trusted perimeter essentially erode over the last six to nine months. And I think this is a direction where the industry was going anyways, but with COVID, it's certainly accelerated that migration. And when we look at how organizations need to future-proof their end-user customers today, you have remote users, you have SaaS applications that are out there, you have public cloud environments. So the MSP you know, certainly helped migrate the customer to a remote work environment. But I think the, the challenge is how do you secure all of those um, remote work environments? And I think this is an excellent opportunity for MSPs to implement new policies and embrace more secure modern tools that enable remote work like MTR, like the Sophos Next Generation XG firewall where you can set up a VPN, um, same thing with a lot of the cloud services that are out there, including cloud optics. Now, what sort of feedback are you receiving from MSPs and how is that shaping the program kind of going forward? Yeah, the feedback has been fantastic and we appreciate it. And I will send a thank you to any MSP that's listening to this that is currently a Sophos partner. Our product roadmap on the MSP side and Sophos Central Partner Dashboard, which is the single dashboard or management console that MSPs use to manage their customers, the entire roadmap is driven by feedback from these MSPs. So if they're looking for enhancements in a particular area, um, I'll give you an example. They wanted role-based administration for their technicians to have access to the customers that those individual technicians work on or alerting. How do you take alerting and integrate that into third-party RMM and PSA applications? So any feedback that comes 
to us from MSPs gets redirected to the product management team and then placed on a roadmap or placed in a roadmap for discussion around prioritization and exactly how we can help these MSPs improve you know, their operational efficiency. And I think it all goes back to those three core concepts, operational efficiency, lower the MSPs costs and increase their revenue. Does the program give MSPs a competitive advantage? Yes, I truly believe that MSPs that are using the SOFOS portfolio of security services have that competitive advantage because when they go into a customer, they are now selling next generation endpoint and network security and cloud security. But if you take that one step further, I think a lot of organizations need not a series of point solutions and MSPs as well. They don't need six or eight different point solutions to address a security need. And what we see a lot of MSPs doing today is looking to consolidate the security vendors that they work with so that they can actually go deeper within that partner program. They can get more certifications. They can learn more about the people. And, you know, people buy from people today. And I think that's an important concept. But if you look at the network and the endpoint, when you as an MSP are out there deploying both solutions in a customer environment, you now have the ability to increase that security posture through what we call synchronized security. And synchronized security will provide the ability to have the firewall actually talk to the endpoint, which is a really novel concept, but it's beneficial because if that endpoint ever becomes compromised in any way, the firewall has the ability now to neutralize that endpoint and prevent any lateral propagation of a threat from that infected machine to other machines within a network. But also taking that one step further, the firewall has a feature called synchronized application control. So 45% of all incoming firewall traffic is encrypted. So now the firewall, because it talks to the endpoint, can ask the endpoint, hey, why are you asking for this information? What is this information or what is the application that is requesting this data? And the endpoint can respond back to the firewall and it could say, hey, it's a secure you know, video session or something. And now that firewall has the ability to make a decision whether or not to allow that inbound traffic through. So when you look at the, the whole you know, security network or if you look at selling as an MSP, cybersecurity as a system, that is massively differentiating to your customer and to you for you as an MSP, rather than selling a low cost AV solution to simply check a checkbox. So the MSPs that we work with are very, very security conscious. They're growing rapidly and they want to improve the security posture across the board at their customer as well as their internal network. You talked about COVID. Are there other trends taking place globally that are impacting MSP's needs and then therefore how the program can help them? Yeah, I think so. um, A couple of things that we're seeing now from a trend standpoint. First is a lot of MSPs are actually being pulled up market as the remote working environment becomes more prolific around the world. And what I mean by that is larger organizations that have an internal IT department, oftentimes they will look to outsource some of the IT to a managed services provider. And when you want to get pulled up market, you want a a very large mature vendor behind you. And I think, you know, that's where the Sophos managed threat response comes in, 
where you can now implement not only next generation endpoint security, also um, what we call endpoint detection and response, EDR, which is almost a recording device of what, what things are happening on the machine. And then the managed threat response on top of that, I think is super important. And a lot of MSPs are wondering how they move up market, how they handle these larger organizations. And you know that is one thing that we are working on. And we've hosted many webinars. We've hosted many, what we call MSP perspective with some of these larger MSPs to train other smaller MSPs on how to move up market. We also see the industry at large uh, and the threats that are out there continuously morphing. And, you know, the attackers are obviously evolving every day, all day. They're living off the land attacks and active attacks, countermeasure neutralization, supply chain attacks around the MSP side. And so we look at MSPs and, you know, kind of breaking it out and, and helping them both on the security operations side, but also on the business operations side um, to help them continue to grow their business and increase their profitability while doing so. Now, looking ahead, what can we expect to see in the months ahead as the pandemic continues in terms of MSPs and program? Yeah, I mean, we are all in on the MSP side of the house. I think a lot of MSPs that are out there are looking to grow their business. Um, we've signed a lot of MSPs um, over the last you know, six months, 12 months, looking to increase their uh, security posture. On the product side, you can look at deeper integrations with a lot of the RMM and PSA applications. We're also looking at automating as much as possible. So helping MSPs automate the deployment and the monitoring and the, the management and the alerting of anything that is coming out of their customer network into their system specifically. Um, you'll see us continuously innovate. Um, on all of the products. One innovation that we actually just recently released was cost optimization for public cloud environments with our product called Cloud Optics. So not only does it allow you to secure the public cloud environment and, and maintain or ensure compliance, but now you have the ability to provide cost optimization as an MSP to your customer in order to help them cut their costs if possible. And so I think that is super important um, when you're an MSP, you want to continuously add value, but you want to take those three core concepts and extend that to the MSP. So as an MSP, how am I helping the end user customer increase their revenue, lower their costs and increase their operational efficiency? So, yeah, that's really where we're going in the future and where we you know, continue to hang our hat. We want MSPs to be successful. They have been absolutely fantastic to work with for me over the last 15 years. But, you know, over the last five years while I've been at Sophos, they have truly embraced security and taking security to the next level with their end user customers and selling cybersecurity as a system as opposed to individual point products. Is there anything that we didn't touch on that you would like to add about the program, working with MSPs, et cetera? Yeah, no, I, I think MSPs that are out there that are, are you know, existing Sophos partners, thank you. Um, continue to provide us the feedback that you need because, you know, your feedback to us is going to help us, you know, improve on the program side, on the product side, really across the board. If you're a non-Sophos MSP that's listening and you're interested in learning more about Sophos or the MSP program, certainly you can visit sophos.com slash MSP. That is the uh, partner application site. There's a whole bunch of testimonials, but the best testimonial is really to use the product internally. And we have NFRs for all of that. And if you're interested in reaching out to me directly, my email is scott.barlow at sophos.com. Okay, great. Thanks a lot for speaking with me, Scott.
Edward, thank you so much. As always, I really appreciate your time. Thank you, Ed and Scott. That is great news all around for the industry and particularly security. The number of Sophos MSP partners up 30% in just a few months. Billings up 56% year over year. Security, one of the real bright spots in what's been a challenging year for many. Speaking of challenging, uh, this podcast, you could probably tell, has been a bit challenging for me. I really thought that promoting Digi to the co-host chair was going to be a good idea, but I molded over a bit during that last interview, and I hate to admit that Kevin was right. Don't tell him I said that. I just don't think this is going to work. Digi, it's back to sidekick status for you. Yeah, whatever that means. Next time, youth will be served. Be sure to join us for our next episode when we'll welcome in our real new co-host, a human millennial, who you've heard from a few times before on this show. Remember on those 80s sitcoms when the kids would grow up, the show's ratings would start to flag, and they'd bring in some annoying little tyke to try to rejuvenate the show? Well, this isn't really going to be like that. I mean, (laughs) after all, our ratings are just fine. But it did make me think of that. Got to say, I am happy, though, for Chrissy on Growing Pains getting that gig on Blindspot. Anyway, if you'd like to download the archives of Coffee with Craig and Kevin and Digi, just go to Apple Podcasts or SoundCloud, type Channel Partners Online into the search bar. Of course, you can always find us on the flagship channelpartnersonline.com. Leaving you, as promised, with another British band, The Outfield, and a song again from 1985. Loved this band as a kid. Rest in peace, Tony Lewis. So long, everyone. Just wanted